You know, I was in Israel, Denise and I, almost three years ago. And you know what we found out while we were there? The tomb is empty now. That tomb in the garden, we went in there and we were able to take pictures. And when I came out, it was emotional because our Savior had been placed there. And according to every other religion, this resurrection is what distinguishes Christianity from every other faith. We hang everything we believe on the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, we have no message. We have nothing to say to the world. But with the resurrection, we have life-saving message that can change the life in anyone's life and take a person from wherever they are where God wants them to be and one day in heaven. That's a wonderful message today. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You may be thinking, David, why are you going there? Well, I enjoy reading the the writings of Paul. But I I have to say this. When I get to heaven and I meet someone who is from Corinth or a Corinthian person, I'm going to have to thank them. Because they have and they exemplify all the issues in a church that we experience. You think about it. If Paul wrote about all kinds of things, I mean, even eating properly at the Lord's Supper. I mean, he, they messed everything up. You know, the Corinthians, they had, seemed like they had all kinds of issues. And, and Paul was constantly writing to them to mature them. Now, he wrote this book uh, towards, the three, towards the end of his three-year stay at Ephesus. But I also, I think it's important that we understand that this book was written only about 26 years after Jesus died. You know, I, I can't help but think we forget easily, don't we? Well, uh, you know, when, when 9-11 happened and, and, you know, they say that there are a lot of events. I actually remember when the Challenger, you know, exploded, okay, in the air. I, I, I remember where I was. I... <laughs> I'm going to tell I remember when John F. Kennedy was shot. Some of these kids said, who? But we all remember where we were 2001. But you know what? It didn't take long. And I remember people singing God bless America on the steps. But boy, they forgot quickly, didn't they? It doesn't take us long to forget major events that happen no matter how significant they may be in our lives. They say that we actually start forgetting sooner than we we want to admit. Even traumatic issues. 26 years after Jesus died, I would say that there are people in Corinth who were alive at the time that Jesus lived and that they were alive at the time that he died. Now, we know later in this passage, Paul even tells us that 500 people saw him and many were alive, but some had gone asleep, meaning they had died. But also keep in mind that Corinth from Jerusalem is about 800 miles. Now, when you consider that and all that happens, it's almost like Paul is writing to the Corinthians some fundamental truth that he wants them to remember and to understand. 
And I think you and I can say, you know, Israel's a long way away. And sometimes we think, well, it's over there and we're over here. And they have problems over here and we're over here. And I think what, ha what does this, the fact that the tomb is empty now have to do with us today is because we're very similar to the Corinthians. We have issues. As a matter of fact, our issues have issues. America has issues. The, uh, the church of America has issues. And we have things that we need to address. And church, I want to call us back to the very things that Paul is calling the Corinthians back to here in chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. I want to read those, and then we'll have a word of prayer. And I know what time it is, okay? I learned to tell time early on, and uh, so I know what time it is. And I have a digital watch, and they have a clock on me right there. So I know uh, what time it is, and I will move quickly. Verse 1 of chapter 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Now, that's a wonderful testimony that Paul's saying. He said, I preached the gospel to you, and you have received it, and you stand. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved. By the way, if you're saved this morning, you're saved because of the gospel. If you're saved this morning, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, it's because someone preached to you the gospel. I like the fact that Paul said the gospel which I preached unto you. I pray that you never look down on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And preaching is different than teaching. I am a teacher, but preaching is proclaiming it with a loud, like a loud trumpet. You say, David, you're too loud. I'm sorry. I, I have hearing aids. And so, so I just assume everybody's hard hearing. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, I'm loud. I know that. But let me say this to you. The word of God is important. And Paul chooses chooses to preach it. Now, boy, we need preachers. We need people that would declare the gospel and preach it clearly. This is, all, this is not my sermon, so don't start the timer yet, okay? But, um, but he says in verse 2, by which also you say, if ye keep in memory, don't forget, what I preach unto you, lest ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that... Christ died for your sins, and notice this phrase, according to the scriptures. Look at verse 4. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, right now, help us, oh Lord, help us to focus in on three facts that we must understand. Today, I believe in this congregation there are some that may be doing business with you and there are some that are doing battle with you. They're struggling with the relationship with you. And Father, for whatever it's worth, God, I pray in my own heart and mind that you would move. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service. I thank you so much for what you're doing. And I pray you'll do what you, what you intend to do today. I know you will. You're providential. You're all-powerful. And we give you glory for all that's done. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I want you to key, I'm, in my introduction I want to continue, the key in the phrase according to the scripture. 
I cannot tell you. I, I mean, it seems to me that we would know by now that what we hold in our hand, the word of God is the scripture of God. It's the truth of God. This is a living book that will change your life from death into life if you will let it. In this book is the gospel. I, I love sharing the gospel with people. Don't you? Don't you love telling them the good news that Jesus saves? Gospel means good news. And I'm telling you, we have a good news club in Southside Elementary. I believe in sharing the good news and the gospel that Jesus saves. That's wonderful. Paul's saying, listen, first of all, there's a fact that I want to tell you is that you have the scriptures. But let's keep in mind, the Corinthian church did not have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. The New Testament was being written. That letter they got from Paul was, was a letter from Paul to them, a personal letter, but the Word of God was the Old Testament. So many people say, well, the Old Testament is of no use, but let me tell you something. The Old Testament has the gospel and the fact that Jesus was going to die, that he was going to be buried, and he is going to be resurrected, which is the gospel. You know, I can talk, stand up here and talk about family issues. I can talk about how to be a better parent. I can talk to you about being a better spouse. And some of the ladies said, David, please preach right there. Just stop right there, okay? I can talk to you about a lot of different topics. But let me tell you, the most important topic is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me say this. If I fail in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have failed. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to make you feel better about being here today. I'm here to confront you with the gospel of Jesus Christ so you know why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And it's important that we understand that Paul knew the importance of the gospel as well because he says according to scriptures. And, he, and here's what, let's read Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered unto the transgressors and to bear the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Do you understand that it's it was prophesied in the book of Isaiah that Jesus would die for you and for me? Before you were even thought of in your parents' heart and mind, Jesus was going to die for your sin and for mine. The sin in the fall was not a surprise. God knew it was going to happen. And before the foundation of the world, he settled that Jesus would come and pay the penalty of our sin. Boy, aren't you glad that God saw that and he said, I'm going to send my only begotten son so that you can have everlasting life. Let me tell you, that's a wonderful thing that he goes on and he says. And then Isaiah 53, verses 5, 6, and 9, the Bible tells us that, that on and on that, God, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was bruised for our transgressions, and by his stripes we are healed. I'm not going to take the time to turn to all those verses right now, but I want you, you can see it up here. We've gone astray. All of us have sinned. Now, how many of you say, Brother David, I've sinned? If you didn't raise your hand, you just did. <laughs> and in church, I've sinned. Uh, don't ask my wife how much, but I have sinned. How many of you say, Brother David, I struggle? It's real, isn't it? 
But you know what Jesus said? We've all gone astray, but he loves us anyway. Isn't that wonderful? He sent his son to die for us. And it's by his death on the cross that we are saved. And he goes on, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he, was, and he bare the sin of many. That's verse 12. I'm telling you, God has a way of meeting our needs. And you understand, the book of Isaiah was a book that all the Jewish children had to memorize. So they were very familiar with this passage about Jesus. They knew it. It's almost like if you memorize the book of, of uh, John or some book very, very familiar to you, that's the kind of book that Isaiah was. Hosea chapter 2 is also uh, a passage that tells us about Christ and his being buried. Psalm 16 talks about it. And I'm telling you, the, the Old Testament is chunk full of passages that taught the Corinthians and those that, that, that they could preach about the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want you to look here in this verse. There are three facts I want you to, say, to see. First, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, we are saved by the gospel that Resurrection Sunday provides. You know, we, uh, some people have dated Jesus' death date as April 3rd, 33 A.D. Pretty specific. The Hebrew calendar and the various time I don't know exactly the date, but let me say this. That day will forever be in infamy. We talk about what happens here in America and how important it is, but the most important day was a day that provides us with the gospel. Paul makes this clear. His purpose is clear. He's declaring the gospel. Now, let me say this. A lot of churches sometimes, uh, many times simply preach a social gospel or a gospel that's weak in the, uh, or a message that's weak with the gospel. They don't, want to, they don't want to talk about his death. Let me say this. I cannot hardly watch a vision or an image or understand the image of what Jesus went through for me. When you think about the pain and agony and the death on that cross that he did, I just can't hardly bring myself to think about it. We had a lesson on that this morning. I'm telling you, it breaks my heart to think about what Jesus did for me. And they say this, but the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I preach that to you. I don't, I don't back off of it. I want you to know that you must receive it and stand on that gospel. But when you stand and when you receive it, we're, we're, we have salvation. Standing in the face of today's culture is tough unless we truly believe and have received the gospel. You know, in today's culture, there's all kinds of opinions about where, what things should be. And sometimes we just get all confused. I have people come to me, David, what about this? David, what about that? And you know, if we just listen to the winds of the time, we will, we will just flow anywhere. But God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ is certain and ensures. So fact number one, we are saved by the gospel that Resurrection Sunday provides. And let me say this, you're saved no other way. There's no other way to heaven except through the gospel. Well, what does that gospel say? Fact number two, we are saved by believing that Christ died in our place as Resurrection Sunday promotes. Now, when I say that, you should have been on that cross. I should have been on that cross. Jesus died in my place. He took my sin. He took my punishment. He gave his life for my life. And I'm telling you what, I would never want to get over that. 
He died on the cross. Now, some people want to pretend that after he died and was put in the tomb, that he swooned, that he passed out. There was some medical emergency that happened, and they put him in the tomb. The coolness of that tomb revived him to the point that he could come back out. Now, let me just set the stage a little bit. That's almost like, I mean, I, I really can't get my, wrap my, if that were true, which I don't, it is not. He, he died. Matter of fact, the Bible said he gave up his spirit. When he said it is finished, he gave it up. He didn't, no one took it from him. He didn't have to do it. He chose to do it, and he gave his life. He gave his life. Get that straight. He gave his life, and he died. But if he did swoon, Let's play that scenario. Tell me how can a swooned, weak individual move a stone the size of that stone and get by the guards and get out and get himself unwrapped from all the, the wrappings that involve with that. Remember when he raised Lazarus, he said, loose him and let him go. He couldn't do it for himself. He had to have some help to get those, those grave clothes off. But let me tell you something. There's no way Jesus swooned. Don't let people kid you, just like they call it that Jesus, that the, that the children of Israel crossed the Reed Sea instead of the Red Sea. No, don't, don't let. That's what I'm telling you. Don't let someone take away the element of the gospel. We must believe that Jesus died in my place. And when you believe that, it makes you want to receive that because it's the only way to heaven. He died in my place and was buried in a borrowed tomb. Why was it borrowed? He didn't need it forever. He only needed three days. You know, I, I'm curious about, you know, what the rent for a, for a grave is. You know, three days, I, don't, I need it for three days. Can I reserve that, you know, you know Airbnb, you know, whatever. I mean, no, think about it. Jesus has three days. You know, say, David, you're, I'm just serious. I'm serious. I love the idea. Jesus only needed three days. And he knew what he was going to do. He was going to come back alive. So, so fact number one, you can only be saved through the gospel. And the gospel is that you must believe that Jesus died in your stead and was buried, that he actually died on your behalf. Yeah. Fact number three, we're saved through the power of the resurrection that Resurrection Sunday proves. Think about the power that God displayed by allowing him to come forth and be resurrected. The power to move the stone, the power to cause the guards to go away, the power of all the details of his resurrection, the fact that life could come back to, to, into him. Think of this. You cannot offer to give somebody something you don't already have. If you offer me $100 and you don't have $100, your offer's not much good. I can hold my hand out all day, but if you don't have that $100, you have to have what you're offering someone else. Now, Jesus offers us eternal life. And the reason he can offer us eternal life is because through the power of his resurrection, he now has eternal life. He now possesses eternal life. He shows us he has eternal life. And no other religion on the globe has that kind of Savior. And because he has eternal life, he now offers eternal life to every person in this room. And the blood of Christ is enough to cover every person's sin. 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus will do the work needed. Paul directs us to the calendar to remind us that on the third day, according to scriptures, that resurrection power is a Greek word, which we get a word dynamite. We've talked about that before. But he has the power. Christ proves that he died in our place on the cross and was buried, and he has a power to offer us eternal life. What does the empty tomb mean now? Well, according to scriptures, it means that you have the same opportunity as those Corinthians did, that you can believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you can believe that Jesus died for your sin, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and you can have eternal life because of Jesus possessing that and offering that to you. That's a pretty simple gospel. Why do we have to complicate it? Why do we have to act as if you have to be some intellectual scholar to understand salvation? All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, and mean it. Come into my heart and save me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. God, Lord Jesus, I want to live with you one day in heaven, and I want salvation now. That's all you have to pray. Just something simple, something along that line, but you have to mean it. It has to be sincere. I can't do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy can't do it for you. you got to do it for yourself. You've got to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I receive the gospel that you're preaching right now. I believe the gospel. I believe he died for me. I believe he was buried, and I believe he resurrected on the third day. The empty tomb means that we can trust our eternal souls to Christ, who is willing and able to offer us eternal life. The fact that the empty tomb proves his ability and power to save us. Verses 6 through 8 in that passage, I won't take time to read it, but it tells us, Paul goes on and says, just in case, Corinthians, because you're 800 miles away and it's been 26 years since Jesus uh, died, just in case you don't trust the facts I'm sharing, let me remind you that there, it only takes two eyewitnesses in their court system to prove a, a, a situation as fact, to prove an event as fact. It only takes two. But Paul's saying over 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection. Now let me remind you, the Corinthians at that day hadn't seen him. They didn't see for some people say, well, I want to see it for myself. You're not going to see it for yourself. It takes faith to believe what I'm telling you. This word of God takes faith. And those 500 people that saw Jesus testified and made it a fact, I mean, made it a legal fact that Jesus came from the grave three days later. And he's, Paul saying, listen, let me remind you, you may not have been in Jerusalem. You may not have been there when Jesus when Jesus arose. But let me tell you something the scripture tells us and we can believe it. What, what does an empty tomb mean for us today? We are in the same boat, but better. Because we have the New Testament that outlines every day. It tells us everything that happened to our Jesus. It is the word of God that confirms exactly what Paul's already saying to the Corinthians. And I'm saying to you today, don't believe me. You don't have to believe what I preach. You don't have to believe what I'm saying, but believe the scriptures. Believe the word of God. 500 people saw Jesus, and I'm here to tell you, how many of you are saved today? Would you raise your hand? How many of you can testify with an amen, I'm saved? Amen. I guarantee you there's at least four or 500 witnesses today of the fact that if you'll trust Jesus as your Savior, 
If you accept that he died in your place, that he was buried, that he rose again, if you accept the gospel into your life, if you will receive it, it'll happen for you. You'll be saved and you'll know it. How many of you say, Brother David, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Would you say that? Amen. We're going to bow our heads real quickly. I'm going to ask the musicians to get in place because I've got another fact for you. Those are the three from my sermon. I've got another fact for you. A couple, actually. If you're saved this morning, you know why you're saved? Because one day you trusted that gospel. One day you trusted the scriptures. You didn't see it with your own eyes. It's too far. You didn't see it with your own eyes. Time has already passed. Jesus is already in heaven at the right hand right now. But you trusted the scriptures. You trusted that what it said was true, and you came to Jesus, and you trusted him as your Savior. If you're saved this morning, that's the case. If you're not saved, it's very simple. You haven't. If you're not saved, you haven't trusted. You haven't taken that simple step of coming to Jesus and trusting him and trusting the scriptures. It's that simple. Now you're at the right place, at the right time, in the right moment, right now. There's no need to look around. There's no need to second guess your presence, your attendance here today. You're here not by accident. You're here providentially. God wanted you to come. And I believe the message and song and the message and the word of God has gone forth in power. And I believe right now there are some people here today that says, David, I need to do what you did and these other four or 500 witnesses have done. That I need to trust scriptures and I need to let the gospel into my heart. I need to trust him as Savior. I believe there are people right now in this congregation that are in that situation. Let me say this. I was there one day. I know what it's like. But I want to encourage you. It's the best move you can make to move to Jesus.